Det här är ett poddradioprogram från Radio AF. Someone will remember as I say, even in another time. Welcome to Someone Will Remember Us. My name is Edmund Falby, and today we are talking about someone who we mentioned briefly in the last episode about Sappho. It is Judith Butler, one of my personal favorites, and of course, she's still alive, so some would probably not consider her a part of history, but she has been very important to the development of feminism and LGBTQ rights. So I've decided that we will cover her in this episode. We will largely focus on her work, though. Um, I won't be sitting here talking about her life because that feels kind of tricky, seeing that she is still living that life. For something to be performative means that it produces a series of effects. We act and walk and speak and talk in ways that mm, consolidate an impression of being a man or being a woman. You know, I was walking down the street in Berkeley when I first arrived several years ago, and a young woman who was, I think, in high school leaned out of her window and she yelled, are you a lesbian? And, <laughs> and she was looking to harass me, or maybe she was just freaked out or she thought I looked like I probably was one and wanted to know. But instead I just turned around and I said, yes, I am. Judith Butler was born in 1956 on the 24th of February. She started receiving her first sort of ethics or philosophy training in Hebrew school. She was a very talkative person, so as a punishment, her rabbi said that you have to take one-to-one lessons with me if you want to stay in Hebrew school. And she was absolutely delighted by this punishment. And uh, he asked me what I wanted to study. And he was very suspicious of me uh, because I was this problem child. And I told him I wanted to know why Spinoza was excommunicated from the synagogue. I wanted to know whether German idealist philosophy was linked to the rise of Nazism. And I wanted to understand uh, existential theology. And I was 14 years old. She continued her academic career by attending Bennington College, then Yale University. She studied philosophy and she got a PhD in 1984. After that, she's been teaching at a bunch of other universities since 1993. She has taught at the University of California, Berkeley. Uh, she is now Maxine Elliott Professor in the Department of Comparative Literature and the Program of Critical Theory. She lives in Berkeley with her partner Wendy Brown and their son Isaac. Her most well-known book is called Gender Trouble. It came out in 1990 and I really love it. I literally cried while reading it. 
The book is largely just a reading of previous works on gender by other writers. For instance, uh, Julia Christeva, Michel Foucault, and we, we will do Foucault at some point as well. Monique Wittig, Luce Irigray, and Butler says, these are some important things these writers have written, or these things I think they're wrong about. And then Butler launches her own ideas on gender. I will try to turn these ideas into a list so that it'll be easier to follow. But but don't worry if you can't keep up because it is complex and I'm not sure myself I understand everything. So firstly, Judith Butler criticizes earlier feminism for how they have been using the word woman. Fighting in the name of women is tricky because women aren't a homogenous or universal group. Culture, race, ethnicity, economic status, sexuality are all things that not all women share with each other. When you make the claim that women need to fight for a specific set of rights, it's easy to just take the needs of white, rich, heterosexual women into account. This far, I think you're with me. This is a very common criticism of earlier feminism and even modern feminism, but this is just the beginning for Butler. Secondly, she says that even if you take all those other aspects of women's identities into account, it's still really difficult to define what a woman is or what a man is. Some feminist writers wanted to define what a woman was and celebrate things seen as female. And that was all done in good faith. However, Butler says that when you celebrate femaleness, you're still making a difference between men and women. You're playing into stereotypes and it can be very limiting. It's difficult to move forward to a world that is less oppressive if we focus too heavily on the supposed differences between men and women. Thirdly, Butler is going even further and she doesn't like the distinction between sex and gender. Sex is often seen as something biological, something that is present and real and natural. Sex is something we are born with. Gender, on the other hand, is seen as the socially constructed identity that follow naturally from having been born with a specific sex. Butler says, no, 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 sex and gender are inseparable. Not because one certain set of sex leads to a certain gender, but because our ideas of gender influence how we see sex. When a baby is born, the doctor might look at it and say, it's a girl. And Butler says, that is not because the baby has lady parts, that the doctor says it's a girl. Rather, the baby becomes a girl because the doctor says so. It's through these kind of acts that gender is made, saying I'm a man, or wearing clothes that are considered male, or talking in a way that's considered male, create gender. Gender is made through repeated actions. It's always a performance. For everyone, and it's a copy made to look like an original so that we believe that we act this way because it's natural for us and not that the way we act actually create gender. And I need to stress some things gender and identity are 100% action. There's no such thing as an actor behind the action, there's no like pure identity that comes before the action. The identity is made through action. And this is a difficult concept to grasp because we are made to believe that identity is stable and natural. Therefore, the idea of action defining identity is invisible to us. 
it's a proof of how well the system is working. However, the system is not foolproof. We can make the rules that govern it visible. That is Butler's main tip for how to break down the system. Because we can't escape it, we can't fight it from without, we have to fight it from within. And we do so through making the rules visible. How do we do that? Well, we messed up our performance of gender on purpose. Everyone messes up the performance every now and then, but the key is to do so intentionally. We're copying a copy, and therefore we never do gender right. In the faults we make, the system is revealed to be constructed and not God-given. You might exaggerate the role or go against the role in whatever small way you can. This is what is called gender trouble, and it's a very powerful way to fight the system, according to Butler. It's not about if we're going to copy ideas of gender, because in some sense we have to, but rather how. For instance, I do copy ideas of gender even as a trans person. I perform the role of a man in order for society to see me as a man. I have short hair, I wear male clothes, I wear a binder to compress my chest. However, the how is important. I do not copy the idea of being a woman, neither do I copy the ideas of being a man perfectly. The fourth thing I want to point out is that Butler doesn't see a conflict between free will and determinism. It's my view that uh, gender is a is, is culturally formed, but it's also a domain of agency or freedom. It's most important to resist the violence that is imposed by ideal gender norms, especially against those who are gender different, who are non, non-conforming in their, in their gender presentation. So we can choose how to do our own gender, but our choice is always part of a larger context. For instance, wearing a dress to perform your gender is your choice. However, you might choose to do so because dresses are seen as feminine in this particular place and time in history. In other places and other times, dresses are or were not feminine attributes. Therefore, there's both a context, dresses are feminine, and your choice. I want to wear this dress either to make sure everyone knows I'm a woman or to play with gender roles. But you couldn't play with gender if we didn't understand the context. So genders are both categories that are somewhat socially deterministic, but they are also your tools you can use. The fifth thing I want to say is that Butler thinks that sexuality is very important in how we view and perform gender. Sex and gender are not separated and neither are sexuality and sex and gender. The binary gender system in place is connected to the idea of heterosexuality as normal and desirable. The idea of two distinct genders that are different and complement each other is fundamental for the concept of heterosexuality. And the idea of heterosexuality confirms that we need to have two distinctly different genders. So, same-sex attraction, engaging in same-sex relationships are other ways to do gender trouble. It's a way of saying heterosexuality is not the only option and therefore gender does not need to be constructed according to the binary division between men and women. I hope that was a good explanation of Butler. I feel like I've missed like 1,000 aspects of gender trouble. I've tried to give an easy-to-understand summary of her work, but that does mean that... 
I've interpreted her text, and I know that different people have interpreted her in different ways. I've heard arguments being made that her theories can be used to support trans-exclusive radical feminism. I've heard trans-exclusive radical feminists say that Butler says that since gender is a social construct, we can never escape it, change it, challenge it, except through very small actions. We can, for instance, engage in same-sex relationships wear clothes not associated with our gender, but we can't actually be transgender or escape the gender we were raised to be. Now, I don't believe this is what Butler is saying. I believe that her activism on behalf of trans people tells us that she isn't a trans-exclusive radical feminist, nor encourages us to be. So, rather, I believe she would say, yes, you can in fact be trans, though that doesn't mean you aren't affected by the gender binary. Whether or not you are a binary trans person or a non-binary trans person, the fact remains that society at large does not acknowledge the existence of non-normative gender options. Or if it does, it does so in a very othering way that makes trans people into an abnormality that confirms the idea of cis people as normal. One instance of something Butter might take offence with is that I say I all the time and that I like mess up with pronouns and things when I try to describe our theories because according to Butler, identity is the effect of our actions and not the cause of our actions. But already in that last sentence, I said our actions as if we owned our actions, as if there were a we that did the action and existed prior to the action. And that might seem like a tiny thing and it might not even make sense if you're unfamiliar to Butler, but it's actually kind of huge. I try to give my language correct, but I have messed up. And if this episode leaves you with a feeling of not being sure of anything in this world anymore, at least you can be sure that I have and will mess up. Anyway, Butler's greatest contribution is obviously gender trouble. Um, and she's really influenced feminist and queer theory. But she's done a lot of other things as well. She's been very important to literary studies. Um, I'm studying literature and we always talk about Butler. You know, she is so important. She's also worked with philosophy and film and performance studies. Outside of the academic world she has also worked tirelessly for the rights of women and lgbtq people she has been active in anti-war movements she has spoken out against zionism and the occupation of palestine she participated in occupy wall street she has been an ally of the black lives matter movement and written a piece about the importance of saying black lives matter rather than all lives matter which I'm sure you know if you followed the news in the last few years. But if you haven't, basically the Black Lives Matter movement is working for the life, safety, dignity of African Americans, especially in reference to the horrendous police brutality often directed at people of colour. The point is that even though it sounds obvious that black lives should matter, in reality they're often treated as less important. So In saying Black Lives Matter, you are trying to make that injustice apparent. You should read this piece on Black Lives Matter that Judith Butler wrote because it's honestly great. And then go read some other interviews and articles by black people on the subject as well. I won't sit here as a white man living in Sweden talking about racism in the US as if I had some lived experience of it. So I'd rather 
direct you in the way of some articles on it. Judith Butler is in the New York Times. You can just put that into your search engine. There is also a website called blacklivesmatter.com with tons of articles on previous and upcoming events. Back to Butler. She's absolutely ruffled some feathers due to being so outspoken when it comes to feminism, LGBTQ rights, war, racism, Zionism. The least theories of the criticism directed against her is that her works are difficult to read, that she is a bit elitist. She's been called anti-Semitic in spite of being Jewish herself because she says that Israel does not have the right to speak on behalf of all Jewish people. Pope Benedict XVI tried to make arguments against Butler's theories and gender. Because she is Jewish, gay and feminist, she has been called the Antichrist by other Christians. In June 2010, Butler refused the Civil Courage Award uh, of the Christopher Street Day Parade in Berlin. She said that this was because of racist comments made by the organisers and a general racist anti-Muslim trend as well as the commercialism of the event. She then uh, listed some other organisation that she thought were stronger opponents of homophobia, transphobia, sexism, racism and militarism. My opinion, if my opinion really matters that much, is that you can't transform the world, which I believe Butler has done, without making enemies. I know we're not supposed to be political here at the radio station, but I kind of feel like without Butler I would literally be dead since she has made the world so, so, so much easier to live in as a trans person. She's really made it possible for me to talk about myself because she's given me a box of tools to explain gender. She has made me more comfortable about how I perform gender. So me agreeing with her views on gender is more personal than political. If you want to learn more, I do of course recommend reading Gender Trouble. Make sure you read all of it. I know it can be daunting because it can get a little academic and sometimes it seems like Butler isn't talking about things that are related to the subject but she ties everything together very well at the end and like the last 20 pages or so are completely overwhelming and wonderful and inspiring especially if you've read the whole book. I've marked nearly all the 20 or so last pages and I know marking all the pages kind of defeats the purpose of marking them but (laughs) well anyway there's some great resources out there as well that explain everything if you find reading gender trouble too daunting just remember that every explanation of butler is an interpretation so you might want to look at a few different sources and compare them i suggest putting butler explained through cats into your search engine of choice and there are tons of other articles and interviews with jude butler so you can spend hours on end on the internet looking at videos of her which i've done There's so much information. It's kind of the opposite towards the last episode when I was talking about Sappho, where we literally know nothing about her. We have some of her poems. Only one of them is whole. And we have next to no biographical information about her we have no idea what she looked like we have no idea what she sounded like Judith Butler on the other hand is something completely different I've had an awful job though 
trying to pick only a few sound clips because you know this episode could easily have been just Jude Butler talking but that would have been another kind of podcast I suppose and I would probably have been sued. Thanks for listening I'll see you again in a couple of weeks and until then stay aware that someone will remember us even another time. Du har lyssnat på ett poddradioprogram från Radio AF. Hitta alla våra program på radioaf.se.